Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everyone? I hope you're having a great day today. I'm so glad that you decided to join us for our Church at Home experience. If you're part of the Eden family, I just want you to know how much I miss seeing your faces. It's been a really long time, but the good news is that we are closer today to seeing each other than we've ever been before. Now, that doesn't mean we have a date in mind, but we know that we're closer than we were last week. If you're here with us for the very first time, I want to give a special shout out to you and let you know that we are so grateful and thankful that you stepped into this environment. It takes a lot of courage, and we're really proud that you did that, and we're praying and hoping that uh, you walk away with some value added to your life, and we're hoping and believing that's going to happen in the next 30 minutes. My name is Daniel. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Eden Church, and we are all about helping people become all that God dreamed they could be. And as you begin to step into this community more and more, you'll notice that so much of what we do is geared to helping you take a next step in your life. But more importantly, we want to help you to take a next step in your faith. Today, we're going to continue in a series that we started last week called Good News. Now, I don't know if you've Notice this as you've been perusing on the internet and reading news articles and being on social media is that I think we are in a time right now where we need to be reminded because so much of what we're seeing and what we're consuming feels like bad news. Like none of us know what the economy is going to look like in 18 months. We don't really know if we're going to get our jobs back. Many of us really don't know how we're going to get through the rest of quarantine with our spouse or with our roommates, or with our children, or even for those of you who live alone, right? Like These are really challenging times, and the longer that this extends, the more it feels like bad news. And even the stuff that sounds like good news can turn into bad news. And do you know what the problem is with all of this bad news? Is that if all we're thinking about is the bad stuff that we are consuming, at some point, it's going to shade what we're producing, Right? At some point, it's going to affect what is coming out of us. I don't know if you've noticed this in your own life, but maybe you've started to feel a little bit grumpy. Maybe you felt anxious or irritable. Some of us have even felt depressed at some point over the last several weeks because of all the stuff that we are consuming. It's starting to weigh our hearts down. Now, in this series, we are trying to change the narrative, but we are not trying to deny the challenges that we face. The goal is for us to choose to view the bad news through the lens of good news. And this is the good news, that with God, our future is full of hope. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult or that there isn't any point of uncertainty. But all we know is that wherever we are at with God, there is still hope. And so today we're going to look at how the early church changed the world as they spread the good news. And the story of the early church is really told in the book of Acts. Acts is found in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And it's the part of the Bible that talks about the life of Jesus and the expansion of the movement that was surrounding Jesus' life. And so the book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. He also wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is a mini biography of Jesus' life. The book of Acts is actually a sequel to the biography that he wrote, where the biography focuses on the life of Jesus, 
the book of Acts focuses on the early church. And when you hear me say church, I'm not talking about church buildings. I'm talking about church with a capital C, the universal community of people who identify themselves as followers of Jesus. And actually, one of the cool things that's happened in light of all this shelter in place and all these empty buildings is that it's really helped for people who follow Jesus to remember that church is not a building. It is about God's people. And so what we're going to see as we look at the movement of the early church, these early believers, is that they changed the world because their message was good news. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself what makes something good. Does it mean that it's just better than something else? Is a certain level of quality that it has to meet for it to be defined as good? Or is it something inerrant about the nature of that thing? We're going to try to answer the question, what made the church's message so good? What made the church's message so good that people were willing to completely reorient their lives around the truth? That people would give up their status, that they would give up their clout, that they would leave their own religious traditions because the truth of their message, the truth of the good news was so powerful to their life. So far in the story of Acts, we see that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. The spirits come down. The early believers are forming this powerful united community and they're beginning to live with a very strict focus on the mission that God had given them. And we see that one of the first things they do is they performed this miracle. Some of the leaders, Peter and John, performed the miracle by healing a paralyzed man who was a beggar. And as the people of this community witnessed this miracle, they were amazed at what happened because they knew who this man was from his birth. Like everyone in the community knew where he was going to be on a Saturday or a Sunday or during the week or during church services. He was out there begging. They knew his story. And to see him living in such a different state caused them to ask the question, what happened to this man? How did this happen? Because they knew that a miracle was performed. And so this is where we pick up this morning in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. Part of what made their good news so powerful is that it begins with Jesus. That their good news begins with Jesus. I love how Peter was real quick to give God all the credit. I wonder if you've ever had this experience in your life where you tried to take credit for something that God had done in your life, for some blessing that God had provided in your life. Now, I don't think any of us would ever do that on purpose, but we know that it's happening when we stop acting and speaking with gratitude toward God about the blessing in our life, where we stop showing gratitude for what God has done. We start thinking that it was the result of our own strength or our own work. Now, definitely there is a role for us to play, but the role that God plays in the blessings in our life is far greater than the role that we play. And Peter understood this. And so when Peter, people started looking at Peter as if he had done something great or wonderful, he redirected that energy back to God. He said, it wasn't me. Why are you looking at me as if I had done something special? This was all God. 
And then he explains to them that it was done for a really specific purpose. It was to give glory to Jesus, to bring glory to Jesus. I wonder when is the last time that you used the word glory in the last week or month or year, right? We probably don't use that word very often, but it's a pretty impressive word. Glory means high renown, honor that is won by achievement. And so Peter's saying that the point of this miracle was to elevate the way that people saw Jesus. Every time a miracle was performed, it was to give glory to Jesus, to brag about Jesus, to show off Jesus' power. I wonder how many of you watched the documentary on Michael Jordan called The Last Dance. I've watched several episodes of it. Actually, I watched the entire documentary. And at the end of the documentary, I was more impressed with who Michael Jordan was because of what this document, documentary exposed about him. I mean, it showed off his work ethic, his focus, his drive, his competitive nature, the mind games that he would play with himself to get this competitive edge. And I never knew any about anything about the way that he operated. And by the end of it, I was so much more impressed with it because the point of this documentary was really to highlight and elevate the way that people saw Jordan. And I think that anytime we see that happening in the Bible where we see a miracle being performed, that is what it's doing for Jesus. It is highlighting and elevating the way that people saw Jesus. And I think that God still does it for the same reason today. Like when you come to faith and your life has been changed and you realize that you're on this journey that's helping you to become a different pe person and, and people ask you what is going on in your life because they notice all the changes that are happening, they notice the change in your language, they notice the change in the way that you carry yourself, it seems like you have more joy than you've ever had before. I wonder if you've ever had that tension when someone asks you, what is going on in your life? Should I tell them that I've been doing Weight Watchers or should I tell them that I've been walking with God? You know, God is changing your life so that we would have the same opportunity that we see Peter has right here. That every time God is inching us and transforming us into this new person, it is really an opportunity for us to brag about what God is doing in our life, to give God the credit, to give Him the glory. And this was so important for Peter because he was speaking to a very specific group of people that needed to know that the good news in this man's life started with Jesus. This is why. Look at what Peter says. Acts chapter 3, verse 13. He says, This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Though Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Part of what made the early church's message good news was that they were willing to address the bad news. Peter says, you should know that the person you sent to be murdered was also the person who came to save the world. You rejected him. You handed him over. You chose to release a known murderer in your community instead of release Jesus and then by your actions, he was murdered. You killed him. What Peter wanted them to feel in this moment was the weight 
of their decision because they needed to know that what they did was wrong, it was unjust, it was despicable, and they were absolutely guilty. They were not bystanders. They were the same people who, when they had the chance to release an innocent person, were yelling at the top of their lungs, crucify him, crucify him. They were part of the problem. And Peter had to be willing to talk about the bad news if he was ever going to talk about the good news. We don't focus on good news so that we can deny or neglect the bad news. We focus on the good news so that we can understand the depth of the bad news. Earlier this week, as I jumped on social media, all across my newsfeed were the words, I can't breathe. Hashtag George Floyd. These were the last words of an unarmed black man whose neck was being pressed against the gravel street by the knee of a white police officer. George was begging for his life, and he was unjustly killed by the very people who were supposed to protect him. And I don't know if you came across some of this content, if you watched the video, but it was so painful. It was so disgusting to watch. It was so heartbreaking to think that evil at that level still exists in a community like the United States, in a country like ours, that talks about diversity, that talks about equality. And what I saw in response to that video on social media was a culture of people who were willing and ready to call out injustice because what our culture is realizing is that if no one says anything about the injustice that's happening in our world, then nothing is ever going to change. And that was Peter's perspective in this moment, that he had to call out the injustice because if Peter wasn't willing to call it out, these people might have never recognized that what they were doing was wrong. They might have never felt the guilt and the shame associated with the evil that was in their hearts. And I don't know about you, but there is not one person that I know that loves to admit that they are part of the problem or that they have a problem because it is so painful to be that brutally honest with yourself. It is not fun and it requires so much honesty, but it is so necessary if we ever hope to experience change. And I think that there are some of us today that need to look ourselves in the mirror and to be honest about what we see. Now, I'm not talking about believing in lies that people make over us, that people label us with, the lies that maybe we give ourselves that have nothing to do with our true identity in God, but I am talking about the reality of who we are. Some of us need to look in the mirror and admit that we are addicted to something. There are some of us that need to look in the mirror and to admit that greed is a big part of what happens in our heart. Some of us need to look in the mirror and utter the words prejudice and racism because that's part of how we see the world around us. And we need to own that. Part of us, some of us need to know that there is a lack of forgiveness in our heart, which is why we're still struggling to move past a situation in our life that happened years ago, but it still bothers us. There are some of us that need to be honest about the fact that we're jealous 
about what other people have and we don't and we want and it's starting to goof up the way we think and how we make decisions. But you have to know that we are not calling this in ourselves to beat ourselves up, but to give ourselves focus and clarity around the distractions in our lives so that we can finally move past them. And that was exactly Peter's heart. He wasn't trying to beat this group of people up. He just needed them to know who they were and what they did so that they could finally move past it because he was about to give them their next step. Acts chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Peter says, Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Part of what was so powerful about the early believers' good news is that the good news of Jesus always ends with grace. Grace is that thing that we get when we don't deserve. It is unmerited favor. It is God choosing us, choosing to see us in a way that we haven't earned. And the good news about the early church and the message of Jesus is that it always ends with grace. It is always offering us something that we could have never gained ourselves. Peter says three really important things. First, he says, you did this in ignorance. He's telling the people who chose to crucify Jesus that they did this in ignorance. They were not innocent when they said crucify Jesus, but they were ignorant. They thought they were murdering a man when they were actually murdering the Messiah. Second, he says that God saw this coming. It was foretold that the Savior would have to suffer many things. And so God knew what was going to happen, but it doesn't mean that he ordained it to happen. Number three, he reminds them of the opportunity to respond to this moment. Verse 19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. The Greek word for repent is mataneo, and it's a combination of two words that means to change your mind. And the nuance is that it's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction, that leads to a change of behavior. And so Peter's saying, change your direction from sin toward God. So we've talked about this before, this idea of sin, and it's actually an archery term that's used to describe whenever we miss the mark. And so anytime we see the word sin in the Bible, it's talking about any time that we choose to do something outside of God's best for our life. Anything that we do in our ways instead of God's ways. Anything that takes away from the good in our life is called sin. Before Kayla and I moved to the Bay Area, we lived in the city of Bakersfield. And on the far east side of Bakersfield, there is the Kern Canyon. And the Kern Canyon was formed by the Kern River. And the river is actually one of the fastest free-flowing rivers in all of California. It's really, really powerful. And as you're driving up the canyon, you can see the river to the left. And then to the right of the road is this huge sign that says, stay out, stay alive. And at the bottom of the sign, there's a number. And the number represents the amount of people that have drowned in the Kern River since they started counting. And the unfortunate thing is that every single year, that sign has to be updated because people don't listen to the warning. Now, when I drive by that sign, I have never once thought, oh, these city officials, 
They just don't want people to have fun swimming in the river, this beautiful natural resource. Or these city officials, they're just trying to limit the good that people want to have in the summer as they experience and float down the river. That is not what I think about at all. I assume that what they know is that stepping into the river is something that is harmful to people's lives. In fact, nearly 300 people have drowned in that river because they've jumped in. That is the same heart that God has whenever he talks about sin. It is not because he wants to limit the good in our life. He wants to lead us to good. And that's God's heart whenever he labels something as sin. God says only have sex in marriage because I promise you that sex outside of marriage is going to complicate your life in ways that you can't imagine. It's going to goof up your relationship in ways that you can't imagine. So let your level of intimacy match your level of commitment. God says don't gossip. Because he knows that as much as you think that your words are destroying someone else, your heart is actually destroying you from the inside out. God says forgive because he knows that bitterness is like poison to the soul. God so often pushed back against some of the religious leaders in the early church because of their self-righteousness. Because they knew so much about the Bible, they could quote scripture, and yet their hearts were so far from God. And God tells us the same thing. Just because you think you've been in church your whole life, because you know the Bible backwards and forwards, and yet you don't have compassion or a heart for your neighbor, don't think for one second that your heart is close to mine. God warns and labels these things as sin because he knows that it's harmful to us because it's bad news. And so Peter tells us to repent Because when we repent, it is a decision to turn away from sin and to choose to turn to God. And I think that Peter knew he had to remind this crowd of people that turning to God was still an option for them, even in light of what they did. And I think that there are so many people that may be listening right now that need to hear the very same message. Because there are some of you that have this crazy notion that you have messed up your life so bad that God will not accept you. But the problem with that logic is it means that you have such a large view of your sin and you have such a small view of God. You have to know that if God could forgive this group of people who murdered his son, that if he could receive them, and that if he still wants the best for them, that God can and will forgive you because his heart is the same for you, that he wants the best for your life. And the good news, the thing that was so powerful about the message that the early church wielded to communities all over the world was that it always ended with grace, this unmerited favor, this willingness of God to give us what we did not deserve. I want you to listen to the testimony of a man who had a history. He actually used to kill Christians. And then one day in his own life, he experienced Jesus for the first time. And this is what he said on the back end of his experience. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. What Paul knew was that regardless of the horrible atrocities that he had committed in his life, God was still willing to forgive him. 
that God was still willing to create a new heart in him. And you need to know that that is true for you today. That whatever your life has looked like in the past, it doesn't have to look like that in the future. Whatever has defined you in the past doesn't have to define the days ahead. And I know that right now we are living in a crazy world. There is so much bad news. There is so much horrible evil happening all around us. And when we talk about focusing on the good news, it is not to make light of the bad news. It is not to ignore or to neglect the evil that is around us, but it is to recognize that no matter how bad things are with God, we have not lost hope. That it is still possible. That in our country, someday, people will no longer be looked at and and defined by the color of their skin but we will recognize people as image bearers of God. That every person, no matter who they are, they have value, not because of what we think about them, but because of what God thinks about them. With God, our future is full of hope. And I want to encourage you this week to be someone who gives good news. To be the type of person that can find good news even in the darkness. That you choose to use your words and your life to be a light in the world and not to be someone who spreads darkness, who pushes out evil. God wants more for you than that. This morning I know that there are probably so many people that are listening to this and hearing this, and we are ready for good news, not just good news for the world, but good news for your soul. And if that's you this morning that has still not experienced life with God, that has not experienced life with purpose and meaning, that can only come from the Creator, I want to give you an opportunity to step into that relationship today. And the Bible says that all we have to do is to ask and to believe to believe that God loved us enough that he would send his son to die for us. And if we're willing to believe in that truth, God is willing to step into our situation. And so if that's you this morning, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. All you have to do is to repeat the words after me. Nothing's special about the words that we're praying, but it's just a reflection of your heart and your desire to be connected to God. And so I'm going to ask you wherever you are to bow your head and to close your eyes and to pray this prayer if you want to begin a relationship with God. Dear God, I want to thank you for sending your son to die for me even though I wanted nothing to do with you. Today I want to surrender my life because the things that I've tried have not led me to the place that I want to be. And this morning, I want to receive the gift of salvation by believing that you loved me enough to send your son to die for me. Today, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to trust your ways above my ways. And I want to begin following you. 
God, thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.